0: this is Catherine Lorimer and welcome to the final um, chapter in my podcast series for this year. Uh, I'll be Coming back in October, beginning of October. Um, But as I said last week, um, it would be a bit remiss of me trying to encourage everybody to go out and do some crazy things and get out and enjoy life. Um, Not to be doing the same thing in the summer. So I'm going to be going and doing that. I've got quite a lot of stuff planned. um, And I can write about them and then let you know what I've been getting up to in October. And hopefully you guys have gone out and done some stuff as well. Um, But this week, um, mainly because obviously you know this podcast is about surviving divorce and one thing that covers is car maintenance now i know that sometimes in a relationship um it's the guys that look after the car and um, well in our relationship um it wasn't the case it was actually me that did it all um anyway this so i thought i'd maybe talk a little bit about that and you know give you some benefits from my experience now this week i needed new tires for my car And as I say, in a lot of relationships, I know it's maybe the guy that would look after the vehicle. Um, And in my marriage, I say it was down to me. I was the one who got in the car. I drove it and thought there's an issue with the brakes or something doesn't sound right. And knowing when the MOT was due or when the service was due, so got it booked into the garage. And it was the same thing with the tyres. Now, the garage will tell you um, when you have the car serviced about the tyre tread. And they usually recommend changing at three millimetres but the legal limit is actually 1.6 millimetres. I'm not really sure how I know that random fact. I just do. So I tend to check my tyres regularly and I used to send my ex-husband off to get a tyre replaced when we were in Scotland, but now I'm back doing it myself. Um, But it's an awful lot easier than you would think. I just called into the small local tyre place and said, I think I need some new tyres. And <laughs> I knew it would be three. And yes, the tyre man said, I need three new ones. I made an appointment to come and get them fitted the next day, which just took over just over about 30 minutes. And the job's probably done now for another 15,000 miles. And he even showed me how to reset the tyre warning gauge. There's a button in the glove box. And you can also, you can get a gorge to measure the tyre tread. But say, if you're having your car serviced, most cars need servicing once a year anyway so they'll quite often tell you you know how long you've got left on your tyre tread so it's fairly easy to get it done yourself and if you end up in a relationship um, and you're on your own and you need to look after your own little car. As I say, there's really nothing much to it. All you need to really to do is put into a calendar when the MOT is due and the service is due and then work out how to open the bonnet and how to screenwash, of which there are num- numerous videos on YouTube. So you can actually do it all yourself. Now, sometimes it's really good to reflect on life and where you are and where you've been. And while I was waiting for my tears to be put on, this seemed like a good opportunity to do this. This way I could evaluate myself and who I am as a person and work out if I'm happy with myself and my life. And then if you do this, you grow and you change rather than just staying stagnant. And I believe that's important to happiness. Now, when my ex-husband and I met, we didn't have much, but we had lots of fun. There was lots of laughter and we went and did things. We went to places, we met lots of different people and made friends who we then did things with. And I always had a dream I wanted to... ...have my horse at home... ...and it was that dream of mine that kept... ...we're chasing after to build on it... ...and we achieved that... ...but neither of us were really happy... ...when we actually achieved it... we were chasing a superficial dream... ...and it's the idea that you're chasing... ...of the dream you want... ...but because it was a superficial dream... ...we wanted things... ...I think that's the dream... ...why the dream didn't turn out to be... ...the same as reality... ...as actually dreams never really do, do they? But while pursuing the dreams... I worked in a couple of estate houses and the people who lived there were not really happy either. They were constantly having to manage the place, having to struggle financially, managing people. And one only said to me that he really didn't like the big house and that he would be much happier in the Bothy, which was a two bedroom ground floor flat in the walled garden. Now I went into the Bothy once and do you know what? It was lovely. It had a lovely feeling to it. It was small and compact, but it had everything that you needed, and I could see why he would like it. But I did think it was a shame that he wasn't able to enjoy the house that he owned. But now I find myself searching for a bothy of my own. Somewhere, somewhere I can retire to, a small space that doesn't require too much cleaning or heating, because I don't actually need that much. And I certainly don't think I'll get to the end of my life and wish I'd bought more things. I also don't want to get to the end and regret not doing something, so I don't shy away from doing something, I just go out and do it. And it might not work, but at least I gave it a go. And there's nothing sadder than hearing the story about regret. I remember an old black guy once said to me when I was a teenager, working in a restaurant, Watching you work, I really admire you. And it's something I've always remembered, him saying to me, But I think I finally understand that maybe he was a little jealous of my youthfulness and happiness as I was carrying out my job with a sense of fun while he looked as though he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. And life gets in the way sometimes and we get ourselves into a situation where we are miserable and unhappy and in our minds it's difficult to find a way out, especially if you had kids. But whenever I had had conversations with kids whose parents have stayed together and were unhappy, the kids have always said I wish that they had just got divorced as growing up in an unhappy household was not great. And today we live in the age of technology anyway, so it's fairly easy to be with the kids even when you're not home with them. And a lot of things are fake as well. People pretending to be something they're not. It's all about image and the way people look. And women have cosmetic surgery to make themselves into something that a rich man desires. And I see so many male celebrities with a beautiful woman on his arm as a trophy. And look what I managed to get. Look how beautiful and rich my wife is. But if you look at some of the really good looking male celebrities who are really happy, They don't always have a beautiful woman as they realise that beauty comes from within and rather than their supermodel perfect look, prize, they would prefer to be with a real person, someone who makes them feel something when they look at her, someone who they can talk to and laugh with and someone who touches their heart. They know that person only comes around once and they have been around the superficial world long enough to realise they have met one and they don't want to let them get away because if they do... More for them. And I remember when the footballer Gary Speed committed suicide. The man who delivered sandwiches to our office at the time was one of his best friends. And he was shocked and he couldn't understand it. And Gary had seemingly had the perfect life, the perfect wife and perfect kids. He lived in a perfect house. Yet clearly he was really unhappy with his life. And the sandwich man had always said... I wish Gary had just spoken to me and told him what was wrong, as nothing is insurmountable. There's no problem too big to overcome. You decide you're not happy. You work out the reason why. And if, like in my case, it's a relationship, then you end it. You move out. You sell everything. Yes, it's tough, but you know that it will pass and you'll end up a lot happier as I am now. Now, I recently ran with Ben Smith, only half a mile, (laughs) But I got to know him in Portugal, and he had had a really great high-powered job in the city, a really nice apartment and a beautiful wife. And he'd been bullied at boarding school, contemplated suicide, and had never really dealt with it. And he had what everyone perceived to be the perfect life. But he was really unhappy. And now he's openly gay, married to a lovely guy, money isn't great, But he's achieved so much more and he's content and he's happy. And he is someone who you really want to spend time with. And I know I keep mentioning Ben, but I really admire his bravery. And doing 401 marathons in 401 days has made him mentally strong. He's overcome so much and I think he is amazing. And if I ever found myself in a difficult situation, I know I'd reach out to Ben because I know mentally he's strong enough to handle anything because he's been through so much. So if this is you and you feel like this, don't just keep it all inside. Reach out to the person who you know won't judge you and will help you through this. Because we all have a strong person in our lives that we can do, that we can turn to. And after all, you're only really a few steps away from happiness. Okay, you might have to sell a house, sell some things, but they're not part of who you are. They're just things that you've bought. Memories are made by spending time with people and doing things that we enjoy. And the more things that I do, the more I find that there are more things that I still want to do. And an example of this is I'd always wanted to go on a ghost hunt tour in Chester, but never really got around to it. Well, I did it this week. It was a self-guided tour that I downloaded, created by a local historian. And he narrates it really, really well. And it started from the tourist office in Chester. And then you walk around and the next bit plays automatically. At least it's supposed to. But I was having issues with the app. But that's the story of my life. It'll probably work fine for you. So I listened directly from the website because that's the alternative option. And it was really interesting to hear the stories behind the ghosts and the sightings. And there's a couple of places that I did get goosebumps appearing. And one story in particular of an old man dressed not from this time resonated. As my mother had seen this apparition near to the place where he mentioned it. An old man in black, not dressed, not from this time, a good few years ago now, on a passageway opposite the Odeon Cinema in Manchester. The other ghost that I'd already heard about was one that's notorious in Chester for living in the old Thornton sweet shop, and I remember hearing about her from a friend of a friend who used to work there and used to have to go in the stock room and said there was a really horrible feeling and things used to fly around and get moved. And the display in Thornton's and the shop was destroyed on Valentine's Day in 1998. And there was no evidence of anybody getting into the shop. And we think it was the ghost Sarah because she'd killed herself after her betrothed had died on Valentine's Day. Now, there are lots of new stories. um, And it was really interesting as well because the podcast gave a bit of the history of Chester that I didn't know. And then I met a Dutch couple in Abbey Green Square who started asking me about the square and I was able to fill them in from what I'd just heard. And I took Pippa with me, and we walked for about an hour, and it's a good way to get out, with or without a dog, and look around a city. And I certainly plan on doing a few more of these in different locations. And it was a small cost, it was only just under £6, so it was definitely well worth it, and it was a really enjoyable morning. Now, I just finally wanted to finish on my fell pony Merlin, because I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I got him back. Now, I got Merlin just after the first lockdown, having agreed to buy him a few months before. He was supposed to be, for my now ex-husband, is a rare native breed fell pony, 14 hands high, the biggest the breed allows. He's a bit small for me, really, but there we are. He clearly likes me, so I've got him back. The old owner, having had a few issues with him, just didn't work. But horses like people. Sometimes they like you and sometimes they don't, and particularly the native ponies. He was collected while I was in Portugal by the horse transporters on the Marathon Ready Retreat and the large lorry wasn't able to come directly to the yard because it's quite a tight space. So I gave him directions to near where I lived and we just offloaded him on the road there. I shoved all the stuff in my car because I'd driven up and parked and told him what car to look out for and then I just led him down to the yard along the pavement with a guy passing us saying it's going to be one of those days. He arrived just after 3pm and he looked a bit dazed from his long journey because he'd come all the way from Aberdeen but he calmly just strolled off the lorry, walked the short distance to the yard and went into his stable and started happily munching his hay. The best thing is not to fuss too much, just let the horse and pony settle into their new surroundings so I headed back off after giving him his feed and let him settle in he be he'd been living in Aberdeen, which is a much different type of location to Cheshire, with completely different types of grass. And the one thing I did learn from living in Scotland is that the grass starts to grow later up there. Whereas in Cheshire, the grass grows a lot sooner and it's a lot richer, because most of it's ex-agricultural land. And fells are likely to develop something called laminitis, which is the equine equivalent of diabetes, and also not curable, which can cause a lot of issues. So we need to limit his grazings where there'll be less sugar in the grass. Now, unfortunately, he has had a reaction to something in the atmosphere because, of course, the air in Aberdeen and also where I kept him in Ayrshire is really clear, whereas down here there's a lot more pollution and he's immediately developed a runny nose and a cough. It could also be a reaction to the hay. So the way we manage this is we have to try and minimise the dust in his stable and make sure we soak his hay in water to stop it getting dusty. The main he's also on antihistamine tablets and he has since improved from when he first arrived. So with horses, there's always something working and something not working. And what I've noticed and what I've remembered from having Merlin back is that you're constantly thinking things through. You're constantly having to think about the next thing and what's going on with him and what we need to change because they can't tell you what the problem is. And you're also planning, you know, how you get him fit and what you're going to do with him. I'd quite like to show him next year. This year, I just need to get him much fitter. And that really has really, really helped me. And I think after spending a year without a horse, I've realized how much I've actually missed them because actually having a horse is a way of life. You know, you go down to the stable yard, you have banter with the owners and banter with the other liveries. Um, And it's great. You know, it's really good. It's a hobby. It's a passion. It's what I really enjoy. Now also exercise is really important for horses so I started lunging him the next day. I just use a rope halter. Now lunging is when a horse goes round you in a circle. It sounds quite straightforward, it really isn't. They're not always that cooperative. It requires a bit of work but he's really good. I did lots with him on the ground when we backed him so he's really good at this. It also helps with bonding and trust, as when you work a horse, you're building a relationship with them. Now, I'm an asthmatic who's allergic to dust as well, and I noticed that I'd started having a runny issue with my runny nose and my breathing. But the more running I'm doing, the better my breathing is becoming. Although I do struggle, though, on a really cold morning. So I started lunging Merlin every day, and we switched him out to another paddock with less grass so he can go out for the full day. And the farrier was there the next day, so he had his look at his feet. So he knew what shoe size he would be, because I wanted to get him having a bit of time to settle in before getting him shod. Just so he wasn't having to cope with too many things at once. Then popped off to the local equine feed shop, got him a feed bucket and some feed. He only really needs a balancer, which is just vitamins and minerals, just to make sure he gets everything that he needs I use top-spec light because it's one of the best it makes available, but there are others you can buy. I also ordered him a new colourful turnout rug and a fly sheet to help stop his coat from getting so muddy and dusty, and i say that'll help with the allergy reaction as well. It's also important you brush your horse regularly as well. It's a bit like getting a regular massage, and it's a good way to check for any lumps and bumps or cuts, and also checking for heat, which is a sign of potential injury. I spent a few days lunging him as I had no real idea of how much he'd done over the winter and I wanted to just bring him back into work carefully. A bit like somebody who's just starting off a training plan, maybe the couch to 5k or 10k or marathon, one of those. It's the same sort of idea. And slowly to get him to a good fitness level so that I can take him on fun rides which are about 10 to 12 miles and they start around September time. And now there's also lots of cantering, and just like humans say if he did too much too soon, there's a likelihood of injury, which you don't really want. Now after a week I popped on him and he was a bit tense, but he didn't do anything particularly naughty apart from going backwards. <laughs> but there we are. I managed to game going forwards eventually. Now the last time I spent hacking him and did loads of that and it strengthens his tendons, a bit like us walking on the roads, which is actually quite why it's quite important if you're are starting to run that you do a lot of walking as well because it really helps with your tendons and you know I took him out and about last time and we did maybe sort of like between three to five or eight miles Uh, but this was the first time I was riding him on my own and he was a little bit spooky with the cars and I think I mentioned that in my podcast from the Easter weekend exactly what happened so but I do need to be able to ride on my own so that's something that I need to be able to persevere with and as so I say, the farrier came and put some shoes on him and um, turned out that I didn't know the farrier from over 20 years ago, which was highly amusing because it just shows you, though, in the equine industry, it's a really, really small world. And that's why I'm bringing this series of my podcast to an end, because I want to go out and have fun with my pony and go on my canal boat and walk with Pippa and I've got so much that I want to be able to do because I'm 50 this year and I'm conscious you know when I'm seeing I think maybe living with elderly parents that actually you know you need to go out and still do all these things while you still can and I want to be sat in my nursing home when I'm 90 being a cantankerous pain in the arse listening to all these podcasts that I've made because they'll be the memories that I'm now creating so please go out and create your own memories of life. Um, Go out, enjoy yourself, make sure you're doing things that you want to do and just, you know, be happy. And I'll catch you again in October. Have an amazing summer, guys. And thanks for listening.